have to admit that without the clones, it would not have been a victory. Victory? Victory, you say? Master Obi-Wan, not victory. The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Last Missions. This is a Friends of the Force and Doing Talking crossover series covering everything about Star Wars The Clone Wars on Disney+. I'm your first host, Brad. And I'm your other host, Madison. And today we are talking about Season 7, Episode 2, A Distant Echo, directed by Stuart Lee and written by Brent Friedman, Matt Mignovetz, and Dave Filoni. Filoni! 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 <laughs> what a great guy happy to have him back writing episodes this season of the clone wars and more on some of those interesting parallels to other things he's written recently so more to come on that but madison how's it going how's, how are you doing it's going good i really enjoyed this episode like last week's was good it was kind of just like a, a reintroduction to the clone wars but this was one of those that just really packs a punch with the feels and i really enjoyed it Absolutely. And I think this episode achieved a lot in just 20 minutes because we were going through our show notes and we were like, wow, here we were thinking we would cover a 30 minute show in like 30 minutes. But lo and behold, this is going to be a longer one. I have a feeling. Yeah, there's there's so much to discuss. Yeah, there's a lot. It was one of those where it's like five minutes into the episode. I'm already reeling. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we got Anakin, we got Padme, Obi-Wan, Rex. Techno Union, a new planet, new creatures. There is so much involved in this, and it's only episode two. We have ten more of these to go. What Tambor? I've always missed that guy. (laughs) I know. I always just think of him in Attack of the Clones when he starts talking and he starts playing with the buttons on his chest. Yes, I love that. I'm like, dude, why do you have to do that in the middle of a meeting? Like you were talking fine before. It's a recalibration. Yeah. I just, I think he's being a little extra, if I'm being completely honest. Maybe he didn't want them to actually hear what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know why that just happened. He was trash talking. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what were you saying? And he's like, oh, I, I just, I don't remember anymore. Nothing. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. We'll talk yeah. about it later, I guess. Speaking of the Techno Union, they are on this planet, Skako Minor. And they are ruling. They brought war to a peaceful planet, Madison. I'm pissed about it. Or did they? What is their issue? What is the Techno Union's issue? What is their goal? I'm just curious. Um, What do you think their goal is? Are they trying to, like, make more battle droids? And that's... Because we get those, like, weird new ones in this episode, which I I don't. I don't know. I feel like Palpatine is behind this. He's the one out here bringing the war to every planet. And he's got... I'm sure he's got the Techno Union doing something specific that we are not privy to i can only guess somehow the techno union is doing stuff (laughs) we'll find out we're gonna get right into this episode but first up do you want to tell our listeners about an exciting announcement that we made a couple nights ago on twitter oh my goodness yeah so we got to interview kevin kiner who of course does all of the music for the clone wars and did the score as well for star wars rebels We got to interview him a couple of nights ago. It went great. We're really excited about it. And it's going to be coming out in a couple of days. So, yay. Yeah, we are going to we're going to work on that. It's already edited and everything. So we just have to do a couple things and then it will be released out for all of your all of your ear holes and you can listen to the full thing. It's about 50 minutes or so. So I'm very excited to to share that with the released out into the wild. Yes. Let it rain. (laughs) push it out of the nest (laughs) there's some interesting stuff in there so i would definitely recommend not missing it yeah we really we really dove into his history with star wars and got some insight to working with george lucas and and dave filoni which is pretty incredible and let's maybe say that he performed a tiny concert for us so that was pretty nice 
learn something interesting about the upcoming season. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We'll find out. Look at us, Madison. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> well, Madison, episode two, a distant echo, 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 echo. There's a double meaning there. I gotta love a good pun. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love it, folks. You gotta love it. So what were your thoughts on episode two? I know you kind of talked a little bit about it up front. You said you really enjoyed it, but what are some of the specific aspects of this that really, really drew you in? First of all, without getting too specific, because we're going to talk about this stuff upcoming, but I really enjoyed having some humor in this episode to kick things off because this is a heavy show. There's, there's a lot of feels and I enjoyed the humorous moments at the beginning. There were also some really great action sequences, like not to get too into it again, but the flying sequence, infiltrating the tower, and the boulder. The boulder was honestly a highlight for me. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why, but them running in to the village behind the boulder was just so cool to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what a great distraction. And they have no idea you're like running in behind it. It was just great. And so like bad badge. It was totally their vibe. Um, and there Maybe were think of the Hobbit. You ever seen the first Hobbit unexpected journey? When, yes, when I have. The, they're in the Misty Mountain or whatever. And <laughs> Gandalf uses a staff to get that boulder down from the ceiling and they just crush a bunch of. Wow, goblins. you're right. I did not make that connection, but that's it. Just what, thought of it. It's the same thing. <laughs> great scene. Great scene. I love that movie. Actually. Call back to the Hobbit in the season of yeah. the Clone Wars. And (laughs) there were a lot of great emotional moments in this episode, particularly between Anakin and Rex and Anakin and Padme. Those were great and highlights for me. And this episode ended on a very big emotional cliffhanger as well. So I'm kind of like on the edge of my seat waiting to see where this goes and what happens next. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I'd say I like it more than the first. I think it had more emotional anchors. This time around, because the first episode felt more just like an introduction mm-hmm. and stats page for the the Bad Batch. Like, here's all their skills. Here's what they can do. And here's yeah. why they're important, which nothing wrong with that. You have to set the scene and there's four episodes in this arc. So there's a lot of story to tell. But this episode was like, OK, now that we've laid the groundwork, here's all the different relationships between the characters and how it's affecting the mission, how it's starting to seep its claws on everything. And like, you know, for Anakin and Padme, we got that aspect of things. And Padme was giving Anakin advice on Rex. And Rex is now dealing with his own internal struggle. Obi-Wan a little bit. We see a glimpse of that potentially. Mm-hmm. Just the rest of Bad Batch still were having some conflict with the regs and how they're overcoming that still. Because it's not something that just got solved in a 20-minute arc. It's going to be something that probably continues on for at least another episode. And maybe by the end of all of this, they kind of... They, they figure out how to po- perfectly coexist with each other and like work together for the larger good. I just like that aspect of this episode. Really, the emotional weight was set and I'm not really ready for what's to come. But there are such great moments too, action wise in this. There's just it continues to impress me. The animation still looks amazing. It feels more real. It feels more live action for some mm-hmm. reason. I think that they did a really good job with that. And just getting a new world was exciting as well. That those pull pull attacks are fantastic. I love them. I'm glad you brought up the animation because that was something that even more so than last episode actually really stood out to me. And this one was how incredible the facial expressions were and the subtleties there like that. That was not there in the early seasons of the Clone Wars. And even later on, I would say like the improvements there are incredible. The little like, yeah, eyebrow raise that Anakin does. You know, (laughs) there's just so many little things that you can see on their faces that are really great and really help immerse you even more into each scene. And his hair. Did you see Anakin's hair? There was so much flow. Did I see it? (laughs) Yeah. Something else I noticed, too, was Obi-Wan looks really, really good. He looks a lot better. Head and shoulders so much better and he looks just like Ewan almost. It's getting cl- more closely aligned with what we see him in episode 3 as. Honestly, Anakin's hair was just flat out distracting in this episode. I was I found myself admiring it in every scene because the <laughs> planet Skyco Minor was so windy. It was just constantly blowing in the wind like a <laughs> like <laughs> like a L'Oreal commercial or something. <laughs> he he's worth he's worth it. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> 
Well, I think we would give this episode two thumbs up at least, but yes. So far, what do you think of the season? You think it's been pretty, pretty decent so far? Are you really happy with what we're getting? And again, we don't really know spoilers because we didn't read any of the previous story reels, but are you kind of happy with how the episodes are formatted and how, what, how, how tight the stories are and just the kinds of characters and storylines we're getting? Yeah, I mean, so far it feels like the transition I always wanted between this show and Revenge of the Sith. I feel like it's just going to, by the end of the season, it's just going to be the perfect bridge. It's kind of moving our characters forward and taking them through those last stages before they get where they need to be in Revenge of the Sith. So I'm just like really enjoying seeing those last developments come. Yeah, I don't know if it's just my expectations or not, but I feel still that looming threat. That looming inevitability of Order 66. Mm-hmm. And I think it is just purely expectations and knowing that's where we're going to end. But it really yeah. feels like every action at this point matters. Every bit of dialogue matters. Every decision is going to matter because it, it all, is all leading up to that. I think they're doing that on purpose, honestly, like bringing up things that make you think of episode three, specifically yeah. timeline things that we're going to get into. They're, they keep reminding us. And they are really driving home the toll that the war is taking on Rex in particular. So they're really kind of building that. They're like, look, see the toll it's taken and what we're building to is this final confrontation. This end of the war is looming on the horizon. And they're definitely, yeah, they're enforcing that on the viewer, even if it's subconscious of like expecting that coming soon. And there were a couple of observations that I made too that I sent you with one in particular was when Anakin gets swept away by the flying reptile. He drops mm-hmm. his saber on the ground and, and Rex picks it up. And my mind immediately jumped to Commander Cody picking up Obi-Wan's lightsaber on Utapau. And I was like, yeah. oh, God, this could like Order 66 could happen right now. Not that it would, but like just like the, the idea that like it, it's literally like a snap decision at, the, at, at any point. Um, you know, once we don't see Anakin Skywalker anymore, it could, you know, the events of Revenge of the Sith could be happening. We might not even know it. And that that kind of gets gets uh, the, the chills running up my back a little bit. And even when he's in that hallway on on Skaka Minor and Crosshair saves him from a battle droid, and he turns around and points his lightsaber. And there's this, this, just the shot of Crosshair aiming at Anakin and puts his gun down. There's like a little moment of of silence and hesitation there. And it's kind of like. Oh, man, good thing he didn't shoot that Jedi, right? That would never happen. <laughs> and I'm so glad you made that connection because that was something on first watch that felt kind of odd to me. And I was like, why did that feel so weird? Like, they're on the same team. But, like, now that you've pointed that out, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're right. Like, that is what they're foreshadowing there. Yeah. Um, a clone aiming his weapon at a Jedi. And it's just like, <sighs> ouch. <Yeah>. Ouch. <laughs> so that's not going to be the last time we see a clone shooting a Jedi this this year. So no. uh, prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> there is no preparing you can do. It would work. <laughs> <laughs> it's inevitable, folks. It's just the reality of things. Speaking yep. of the reality of things and just this episode in general, we want to talk about upfront unraveling the episode's wisdom that it gave us. The the moral code yes. that we were supposed to live by for these 22 minutes. And this week, that was the search for truth begins with belief. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed that, that one this week because it, it's a pretty common trope in fiction where we see our lead protagonist or one of the protagonists believing something that seems crazy or that seems impossible and everyone around them is like, eh, you're wrong. Have you lost your mind? You know, what's <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs> The Demogorgon doesn't exist. What are you talking about, kids? (laughs) Go on your bikes. Exactly. And usually how that trope goes is the protagonist is actually, they end up being right. And it's a trope that never gets old for me. I really enjoy it. And so it was super rewarding for me that Rex's belief that Echo is alive to some extent was rewarded and he was right, despite the fact that everyone around him, the Bad Batch and even Anakin to some extent were doubting and questioning him. And the Bad Batch, you know, they thought he was being blinded by his emotions and this guilt that he has from leaving Echo behind on the Citadel. And yeah, I was just really glad that he was right. (laughs) Why do you think this trope works so well, even if it is repeated over and over in many different stories? I think it's that even in real life, 
a lot of people who achieve great things are doubted by those around them. And it's kind of like uh, those, those people can end up feeling alone because it's like they have this great idea or they have this belief and everyone around them thinks they're crazy. And it's hard to achieve something when everyone around you is doubting you. It's it's things are a lot easier when you have emotional support. So to achieve something even without that is almost like even more satisfying. It's like, hey, you all doubted me and right. like I was right or I achieved this thing. So I I would say that's probably why it's such a satisfying trope. And to the dramatic irony of it all, because obviously as a as an audience, we have all of the details for the most part. I think there was still some ambiguity to be had for this episode because we didn't actually know if echo would be alive or if it was just Mm -hmm. simply a program so but the fact of the matter is we know rex you know we're on his side we've been through him with so much even after the events of this series and Mm -hmm. we know he makes it through so we're really rooting for him inherently so we just naturally want to see him be correct and when it does happen it feels satisfying and that's why we're happy with these kinds of particular tropes is because every time we're, we're rooting for the good guy to win out and he does. Yeah. I mean, it's a totally different situation, but it's the same reason why we root for Ray and the last Jedi when it's like Luke's doubting that Ben Solo can come back to the light and Ray believes that he can be and she flies off on her own. Everyone doubts her. Most people don't believe that Kylo Ren has any light left in him, but she does. And we mm-hmm. want to root for that. We want her to be proven right. So right. it's kind of the same thing operating there, even though, again, really different situation. Yeah, exactly. And I think we could probably find many examples of that throughout Star Wars. Yeah, this is a Definitely. great episode, obviously. And I think with the saying that the search for truth begins with belief, my mind also somewhat jumped to rebellions are built on hope and the mm-hmm. idea that for something to happen or transpire, it's really up to you and your, your own mentality and your, the way that you think of things around you. Like your, your focus determines your reality, as, as Qui-Gon said, I, I believe it. He said that in The Phantom Menace. And it just makes me think of like, if you believe it, you can achieve it, I guess is what I'm getting at, because yeah. if you don't believe in yourself or the things that you're confident in, it'll never happen. You know, sometimes your biggest obstacle is yourself. And that mm-hmm. definitely is not always something we have control over, whether it's anxiety or mental health, things like that, that, you know, we all deal with, myself included. Sometimes you really want to believe in yourself to achieve it, but you just can't, no matter how hard you try because of those sorts of obstacles. But in Rex's case, again, he's being told that he's crazy. It's not the case. Echo's dead. Even Anakin's like, you know, simmer down a little bit. You got to prepare yourself for the fact that this might not. He, he might be dead. And Rex is like, well, I'll deal. I'll take care of it myself then. And mm-hmm. he's very pretty. He, he's pretty steadfast in that respect, which I, I, I really admire about Rex. He, he understands that there could be consequences on the flip side, but he's so emotionally attached to the outcome he wants to find. And that's a little bit of, of confirmation bias. You know, he wants to believe in this certain thing and find all the clues for it and find the context around it that makes it more true and makes a better case for continuing the journey. But it can also end in a really bad situation for him. And it, it still might. Anakin is the king of like, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah. I like, yep. When he's standing there giving Rex that speech about letting go and all that stuff, I'm just like, Anakin, my boy. <laughs> like you're literally about to kill a, a temple full of children because yeah. you want to save your wife <laughs> yeah. from certain death. Yeah, and like even as honorable as Rex's intentions are, like a lot of that is rooted is rooted in his guilt. You know, like the Bad Batch accuses him of he had kind of let all that go, I feel like, but now it's been brought back to the surface again because of that hope that oh echo could still be out there i can make up for what i view as a mistake and something that weighs on me personally so it it is about saving echo and saving his brother but it is also selfish in a way because he's wanting to make up for something that he still feels really guilty about and i think that's something we can all easily easily relate to because Mm -hmm. how many times in our life have we made a mistake and like subconsciously we want to fix it and go to the ends of the earth to fix it when sometimes it might be unhealthy for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's a very relatable thing, which I, uh, which is why I love this arc so much so far, because Rex is showing more than just his programming or his, his prerogative. You know, he's really 
going above and beyond the call of duty and you know no soldiers left behind sort of thing where it's like there's any chance that he's alive i'm going to fight it yeah and try to find him do you think rex is really trying to find echo to save echo or to save rex i think it's both equally yeah honestly because we know rex is very loyal and really wants to take care of his men the people in his charge so i think it's definitely both he's he's struggling with the ghosts of the war i mean we saw that in the first episode where he's looking at the picture of domino squad and it ripped all of our hearts out and he's like they're all gone you know he's (laughs) losing his brothers he's been losing them for years and it's really catching up to him so i can't fault rex for wanting to find one find a lost sheep basically it's like you've got all of these it's like the shepherd analogy you've got all these sheep right people who you're in charge of you keep losing them there's nothing you can do about it but there's one there's one who got away and you might there's like a small chance that you might be able to bring him back wouldn't you do it like i i can't blame him at all for kind of wanting to go to the ends of the earth to just save one if he can i completely agree i think it's a mix of both and as we've seen before only a sith deals in absolutes and for rex he wants to obviously give himself some benefit and make it not feel like he sacrificed echo he sacrificed echo on the citadel you know Mm -hmm. but at the same time he truly cares about his squad and i think too there's an element of when is this war going to end and what's it going to look like when it's over and that was something that Mm -hmm. was kind of talked about between cody and rex in the first episode of beating or winning war is like just surviving Mm -hmm. so for for Rex to find Echo and realize that he's alive, that might give him some hope to feel like this whole war wasn't for nothing. Because once he gets to the end and they're all dead around him, like, what's he going to do? Like, the war is just going to keep continuing, even if it did end in a more decisive victory for the Republic. It's just the Star Wars keeps happening over and over and over again, no matter what. Yeah. And I just thought about Fives, too. And what happened over the course of that arc was rex didn't believe fives and rex doubted fives and he kept doing it and it ended in fives getting killed and you know they'll find out eventually that fives was right and he wasn't crazy and it's almost like after having fives die in his arms rex is like i can't let this happen again i they can't doubt my men you know if there's a chance out there that i can save echo i'm not gonna lose echo too so yeah I, I think that really speaks to his character and just the fact that he really wants to control how things go, but for the better. He mm-hmm. really cares about the people around him, including Ahsoka, which we're yes. going to get a lot of Rex this season. Speaking of Ahsoka, there's going to be a lot more emo hours with Rex. I'm not uh, ready, Madison. <laughs> not ready. Oh, my God. Well, speaking of emo hours, let's get into something that happened up front this episode. So we've talked about Rex's journey throughout this, which I think is the main focal point of the arc. But we got to talk about the forbidden love of Anakin and Padme. Yes. Wowie. Wowie. (laughs) Hand touches. Give them rights. Give them rights in Star Wars. Romance. The words I love you were uttered in this 22 minute episode. Romance. I love me a good love story. In my Star Wars. What? Say it's not so. Say it. Tell me Star Wars isn't a love story. I'm just finding this out. Oh, what about the children? Disney ruined Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited, though, that we got the scene. And let's set the scene a little bit, too. (laughs) The way this was set up, I was losing my shit when this happened. (laughs) Me, too. Like, they're just having a conversation with Hunter. And Anakin's like, we have that thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> and Rex is like, we don't have time for that, sir. And he's like, yes, we do. And he raises his eyebrow. I was like, what is going on? That expression I was, like, was so good. <laughs> I was, this is so perfect. And they go over to the barracks and Anakin takes Rex's helmet without question, which mm-hmm. to me tells me this is not the first time it's happened. Definitely it's not, not. It's not only the fact that Rex knows, but it's also the fact that this is a routine thing for them <laughs> where it's like, all right, you give me the helmet. I tell them you're spot checking my armor. We know the drill. 
takes it in there, goes right to the hologram with Padme, and Rex puts the hands on the hip outside, trying to look <laughs> like he shouldn't be drawing attention to himself. He's like, oh, yeah, so I'm going to just look around and see what's going on. And this and- looks really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good and just so perfect. I love that Rex is such an honest guy that, like, he just has trouble with even the slight dishonesty of just standing there and covering <laughs> for Anakin. He's just, like, so awkward looking around, like, da, 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 not doing anything. <laughs> it's so perfect how it's set up. I just was not expecting Rex to know about Padme and Anakin, but at the same time, it's I'm I wasn't so either. happy he does, you know? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I was not expecting the Annie Dulles scene this early in the season, and it, that just like came from my heart right off the bat in this episode. It was weird yeah. because like I was laughing so hard because honestly, this whole sequence has to go like in my top five funniest moments in all of Clone Wars. I would agree with that. This scene with him and Rex and the upcoming stuff with Obi-Wan, but then like it was so weird because in between those moments, the Annie Dulles stuff was just punching me in the gut. <laughs> It was pretty deep because, I mean, they were talking a lot about not only the, their relationship, but Anakin was seeking counsel in Padme about Rex, mm-hmm. wondering, how do I help him? You know, how do I how do I show him that he can't let his his emotions influence the mission? And Padme's like, you do the same thing, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe maybe he's learning it from you. <laughs> like, yeah. Shade. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm afraid he's letting his personal feelings get in the way. And she's like, I wonder where he gets that. <laughs> <laughs> like yes padme spilling the tea as always it was also very human too it humanized anakin a bit more because it showed he's not the perfect leader everybody might think he is you know behind closed doors literally he is somebody that is struggling to be a commander and to lead his people and it's not always an easy task yeah i mean it's a really heavy burden and it's like when you think about rex and all the people he's lost like Anakin is above him in the chain of command. So Anakin would feel that same burden of people dying under his command. And that's got to really weigh on him heavily. And it's great that he has Padme to talk about things with and discuss things with. And it just makes like what you know is coming down the road hurt even more. Mm-hmm. Oh man, across the stars, across the stars in the Clone Wars playing in the background. Oof. That just, wow. <laughs> that was pretty intense. I did not expect that to be played. He did a great job adapting across the stars for the show. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely, gotta love it. Maybe we should talk to him sometime. That would be f- interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Let's have him on the show. Let's. Uh, how about you say next week? Yeah. All right. Sounds good. And while we're on the topic of peak romance here with Across the Stars and Annie Della, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, the hand touch. Wow. Wow. Raylo so parallel. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Obviously, the Skywalker boys like touching hands with the people they love. Yes, they're very soft. And then Obi-Wan shows up. Oh, this guy again. <laughs> wow. And Rex is like, oh, no, pretend I don't see him. Like, Obi-Wan's that's going to work. Obi-Wan's the biggest cock block ever, honestly. <laughs> that's just a fact. Obi-Wan just is so smug and waves, you know? <laughs> I love how he's just so naively walking over waving to rex and rex is like oh god (laughs) he's like he's just so oblivious i can't lie to the general (laughs) he's like i'm waiting for the general general he's like you're all going to have to do better than that (laughs) seeing rex so like caught off guard and awkward just like made my day honestly because we don't get to see that side of him very much he's always the one in charge and seeing him be caught between anakin and obi-wan's drama (laughs) is just great I think that's what this this scene did so well. Again, we talked about humanizing Anakin in terms of being a leader, but everybody else just humanizing them as people. Like, what mm-hmm. did, what did, what do these people act like when they're not fighting battles? You know, this is the kind of shenanigans that's <laughs> happening. It's Obi Wan dealing with Anakin's shit. It's Rex <laughs> covering for his man, his general, and it's Anakin getting his flirt on with Padme, and everybody else is trying to save the damn galaxy, and these these folk are just. <laughs> having a behind closed doors drama and it's fantastic i i eat it up drink the tea all day anakin and his not so secret marriage i mean george lucas wasn't lying when he said star wars is really just a soap opera you know (laughs) yeah A, a lot of fans try to take it so seriously and it has to be really dark and gritty and it's really like no it's actually a fairy tale space opera and soap opera yeah exactly 
<laughs> I imagine what the other interactions have been like between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Where, like, Anakin <laughs> checks the time. He's like, uh, Obi-Wan, I gotta go do something. Obi-Wan's like, what yeah. are you doing? He's like, uh, something. I gotta go order a thing off Amazon. I'll be right back. I mean, it's one of those things where I think Obi-Wan's just done at this point because he's like, Anakin, I know, I've always known. And I think yeah. Anakin knows that he knows too because, I mean, going all the way back to Attack of the Clones when they're in the elevator, you're sweating, relax, take a deep breath. <laughs> and they have that whole conversation. And then um, there's, I can't remember what season it's in, but they're talking about Satine and Anakin's like, kind of you can tell he almost wants to talk to obi-wan about it and obi-wan's like subtly kind of warning him about the padme situation without directly talking about it so it's like this weird thing where they don't talk about it but they both know so i love it when anakin tries to keep hiding it in this episode (laughs) obi-wan's just like i hope you at least told padme i said hello (laughs) (laughs) i gotta hand it to obi-wan too he is very very good at the one-liners this reminds me of another parallel from Revenge of the Sith where Obi-Wan talks to Padme near the end of the movie after Order 66 has happened and he says, Anakin was the father, wasn't he? And Padme kind of gives him a look, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing here where when Anakin starts to walk away, Obi-Wan says, I hope you at least told Padme I said hello. And Anakin looks back at him. So it's like Obi-Wan's just constantly dropping the one-liners to he he's kind of like the third party mediator that like feels for them because he's so close to both of each Anakin and Padme. So it's mm-hmm. for him it's emotional because he wants them to be happy, but I think he really feels for and empathizes with Anakin because of the love he had for Satine. And it's I think it's difficult for him because he probably wants Anakin to be happy, but he's also like, You're a Jedi, so you shouldn't be doing this and it's kind of mm-hmm. this silent mutual understanding of like, I know, but I'm not gonna tell the council because I'm your friend, I'm your brother, basically. But I know, and I don't really approve. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to stop you at the same time. Yeah. And I think you and I read this this scene differently, this this exchange between Anakin and Obi-Wan, because at first I was laughing when Anakin looked back because it was such a sassy look first off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So good from, from Anakin's animation there. But second time around, I watched it and it felt a bit more tense. It felt like Obi-Wan was really sensing his distraction within his padawan and that anakin's feelings were somehow compromised which we all know is his biggest weakness is is anakin's big heart and obi-wan may sense that this could prevent him from fully carrying out the missions that he needs to so it's like a subtle reminder like hey i know what you're doing just be careful but i still Mm -hmm. want you to be happy at the same time yeah but at the same time anakin's feeling like on the flip side of that my master might is disapproving of this relationship and it makes me want to cling to it even harder and do everything I can to keep it intact, which is kind of where we end up in Revenge of the Sith. He will go to the lengths of the earth to save Padme because of how forbidden it has been, if that makes sense. Yeah, I actually agree with that interpretation. And I also think there's an extra layer of like, don't take me for a fool either because like you really tried to just lie to me just there like really anakin <laughs> i think like, i'm smarter Obi- than this like we're smarter than just, this yeah. <laughs> he's just kind of over it at this point so let's talk a little bit about the timeline too so do you want to kind of introduce this topic because it's something that is yes. now being talked about very extensively yeah i've seen a lot of people talking about this online since the episode uh aired and it's something that kind of confused me too because they they mentioned the outer rim sieges and Anakin's like, I didn't think they would take this long. Padme's like this. That's what they mean by a siege, Anakin. And <laughs> <laughs> Shut down. <laughs> Padme was sassy in this episode. I loved it. Um, but I was confused because Anaxis is a core world. Skyco Miner's a core world. And I was like, okay, so they're back in the core. So are the Outer Rim sieges over already at this point? And they're like on their way back. Or is this kind of like a detour and then they're going to go back to the Outer Rim sieges? Because in Revenge of the Sith, you know, we have that line from Anakin to Padme where he's like, I didn't think they'd ever bring us back from the Outer Rim sieges. And it's something that is caused by the Chancellor's kidnapping by General Grievous. So what do you think, Brad? What do you think is happening here with the timeline? 
My interpretation is Anakin was brought in on a side mission very, very quickly to help out with the Bad Batch because there was some level of unpredictability with the Bad Batch. So they needed a strong commander to really keep them in line, which I think throughout the episode, I get that impression that Anakin is like, <laughs> he's the he's the dad driving the minivan with like the four kids in the backseat. <laughs> he's like, listen, guys, there's no eating. No opening up the windows, no taking off your seatbelts. We're just going to keep driving down the road towards Kansas and we're not stopping. Behave yourselves, okay? I mean, he did let Regger have like a chicken wing or whatever that was. (laughs) (laughs) I get that interpretation. I think he is like straight up just babysitting, which I don't think Rex needs to be babysitting. But again, we see so much conflict between the Regs and the Bad Batch that I think they need a third party to help out or else it would just be complete chaos. Yeah. So I I think think he's being brought in for that reason. Things definitely could have gotten out of control if he hadn't been there when Rex started fighting with Crosshair. He and Wrecker, he was kind of the one that stepped in and was like, hey, 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 everybody chill out. Stop fighting each other. You know, like what would have happened if he hadn't been there? Yeah, exactly. And this also makes me think too, is that the last time Padme and Anakin are going to see each other before that scene on Coruscant when Mm. Anakin, the only reason he does come back to Coruscant is because they have to rescue the Chancellor and return him? I don't know. I I think it probably is the last time, to be honest, because I get the impression that they don't talk that often. It's probably like once a month, maybe. That's just my interpretation. But I I feel like things are going to get really crazy. Anakin's going to be way too busy to make any calls. Things are going to get out of control and he's going to be summoned back to Coruscant. And I, I think that could be the last conversation we see between them before they uh, reunite. And I didn't mention this earlier, but I did love the subtle, not so, not really subtle visual cues that Padme's already pregnant at this point because of where we are in the timeline. She's like got her hand over her belly and stuff, but Anakin is just totally oblivious and doesn't even notice. <laughs> like... <laughs> boy (laughs) take the hint come on (laughs) i look at it like a kind of a subconscious thing on padme's part that she's like thinking about this and can't tell him yet she probably a wants to tell him in person and b is very scared to tell him because i mean when she does tell him in episode three you can you can tell how terrified she is because it's not something she expected and she doesn't know how he's going to react so there's a lot of tension there my emotions <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> the pain never stops <laughs> make it stop lucasfilm <laughs> crying too much <laughs> this yeah this scene was great and i think we're gonna see many final moments again before revenge of the sith it is coming and we know again the timeline with him being swept off to rescue the chancellor is the call to action for him saying goodbye to ahsoka later on i believe So Mm -hmm. that whole scene that we've seen in the trailer where they talk and there's the clones lining up with Ahsoka before she heads off to Mandalore is right before Anakin heads off to Coruscant to rescue Palpatine. So we're going to get a couple more moments with Anakin saying goodbye to the people around him. And I bet you the end of this arc will be the final interaction with him and Rex. So (laughs) it's just the goodbye tour for Anakin Skywalker. Hello, Darth Vader. Oh, boy. This is where the fun doesn't begin, folks. <laughs> this is where the crippling depression begins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, we're going to move on before we get too emotional here because I'm yeah. going to start crying for the rest of the <laughs> night, and I don't want to spend my Saturday doing that. Madison, Skako Minor. This place is fascinating. I love it. It is. The creatures here are so cool looking, and the flying reptiles are interesting. I saw somebody make a comparison to the mortis birds which i thought was interesting they looked pretty Mm -hmm. similar in their design and style but what did you think of the primitive species of the politex and how they worship these flying reptiles i thought their design was really cool i'm going to throw out a reference here that some people may get and others may not but as everyone who listens to doing talking knows i'm kind of obsessed with kotor high key so I make references a lot. <laughs> and the first thing I thought of when I heard them speak actually was the Rakata from uh, KOTOR, the first one. And they, the voices are really similar. They've got that deep, almost, it's 
kind of hard to describe, almost that echoey kind of voice. And it, it was just very similar to me and immediately made me think of the ricotta. So I, I don't think there was actual inspiration there. I could be wrong, but it was just a cool connection. Um, their visual design is even slightly, slightly similar. But again, the Politex are definitely their own thing. And I loved them riding around on their big flying reptiles. I just thought that was great. And I loved the whole flying sequence of one carrying Anakin and Hunter trying to follow. That was great. (laughs) He shot that grappling gun. I was like, that's a long grappling gun. Holy shit. That was impressive. Yeah. Like, dude's (laughs) got some style. I loved how Crosshair used, uh, it, it was tech, wasn't it? He used his shoulder to like steady his aim as he was doing it. I thought that was really cool. And I love the atmosphere, too. Um, on Skako Minor, I love kind of the dull yellow color of the planet. And it's the kind of the storm with the lightning in the background. It made everything really yeah. dramatic. A little bit like Exegol in a way. I always enjoy kind of stormy planets. It kind of mm-hmm. makes you feel the stakes even more when the weather you feel like. Weather. Yeah, you feel like even the weather is kind of against your heroes. Yeah. I, I love the fact that these this seems to be a neutral planet and i do feel for them because you mm-hmm. know right away they're on the defensive trying to get rid of the clones and cause some chaos because they just want them off their planet but i yeah. love the way that they negotiate with each other some small details was tech having that mask on and the text being interpreted and translated that was, I thought great. was really cool i love that camera angle of like inside his mask and you have the one leader kind of going up to him and looking around at his tech on his face. He's like, what the heck is this <laughs> device that he's using? But this I is love pretty cool. that. I love that first person view of from inside his helmet. That was so cool. And the thing that was kind of unique about it too, was it really just didn't skip the dialogue at all. Like sometimes in these sorts of situations, they'll have the person translating and talking at the same time. So it speeds it up a little bit. I mm-hmm. like that. We got the full dialogue from the, the primitive species. Then the, text on the screen then tech talking and translating it and then back and forth like that it was very sequential and it kind of respect it it felt like it gave more respect to that culture of that planet you know like really gave them Mm -hmm. really gave us some time to settle in with them and understand how they operate and also like i have to shout out the fact again that this episode was written by dave filoni and this reminded me of episode five of the mandalorian mando and uh Toro Calican negotiate with the Tuscan Raiders and use sign language. And there's like another moment where it's very sequential and we really get an idea. We really see the full negotiation happen. You know, there's no music or anything. It's just purely dialogue and sign language. And it kind of feels like we're really there, like watching it happen versus like trying to move on quickly with the story, if that makes sense. But Dave's obviously a huge fan of negotiating with people rather than resorting to violence. My negotiations will not fail. (laughs) The negotiations were also short. (laughs) Yes, they were short, but effective. Because Star Wars is not actually about wars, people. As many as many in the fandom are finding out, and they're not too happy about that. But (laughs) Star Wars is not pro-war. What? What? (gasps) It has has war in the title, though. (laughs) Uh, I think that. I don't know what to feel, Madison. (laughs) (laughs) Tired. We're just tired, Brad. (laughs) Let's move on now to the Bad Batch. So we got some really good Bad Batch moments this week. I'm really enjoying them so much. They're they're amazing. And Wrecker is still my favorite. This was his episode and his episode alone. (laughs) Give him everything. I will argue with that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) The Bad Batch theme kicking in during that final battle was epic, and Anakin helping them out. First time we've seen a lightsaber ignited this season, I believe, in action, which Mm -hmm. was very exciting. And Wrecker just got better and better and better. He is ridiculous. He is so over the top. A couple of my favorite lines from him was him saying, I'm not scared of nothing. I just, when I'm up real high, I got a problem with gravity. (laughs) He's a big boy. I related to him in that moment because I too have a fear of heights. <laughs> same, same, so big. And I just love how they all are like, does anybody here have a fear of heights? And they all turn to Wrecker. And he's yeah. like, you guys do this to me all the time. Why? Why? I, I, I get it. I'm big and I don't like heights. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a couple of great moments of everyone just staring at Wrecker in this episode, <laughs> like that one where they just turn around and all look at him on cue, and then later when he's just really hyped about killing those droids, and he, he's like, yeah, and then he turns around and everybody's like just staring at him. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, sorry, I just got excited. Yep. There's also the other one where he says, why don't you pick on someone not your size? That was a pretty great <laughs> quote. When they're going up into the spire to rescue Echo, mm-hmm. Hunter says, don't worry, Wrecker, I'll hold your hand. <laughs> Hunter's my boy. <laughs> yes, yeah, so tell him. me more about Hunter, Madison. I know you love him. He's your favorite. We're at odds on this. He's great. I mean, I already talked about this a few minutes ago, but him like having the guts to just hold on to a grappling line, basically, <laughs> and fly, <laughs> fly, you know, like 20 feet behind this giant flying reptile trying to save Anakin was incredible. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool when they did that wide shot where you could see him like getting closer and he's like trying to shoot the guy off, but then he drops his weapon. And uh, it's great when he kind of makes that landing on the rock and he succeeded in making it to where like the we know where they are now we know where they took Anakin so he made sure they didn't lose them I thought that was great it was also super cool when he like ran across the rock like when he's getting jerked in between those giant rock formations I was like (laughs) cringing the whole time going oh no this could go very wrong (laughs) (laughs) please don't die sir yeah, I know. And of course, always killing droids with his like electro knife things is it, it never gets old. Yeah. The action again was was great and having that final sequence before they go in and find Echo was just a boatload of fun. I know. I think yes. Crosshair like slid across the floor, which was like, yes. oh, look at him. When I they're going originally into the whole thing, again, this is where Anakin's like, this is a stealth mission. No blasting, no blowing things <laughs> up, nobody knows we're here. Yeah, no. That didn't work out too well for him. So they just like, again, that's the dad in the minivan controlling his four children. And as soon as those doors open, Rick was just like, ah, he starts blasting everything in sight. There's and it was just so great. There's something so strange and ironic about Anakin trying to keep everyone else in line and like saying no blowing stuff up and all that stuff. Right. And it's like, Anakin, <laughs> <laughs> do you even hear yourself right now? It, it, it's funny. You're the one that shot Obi-Wan's Starfighter in Revenge of the Sith to get the buzz droids off, Anakin. You're not one to talk, but Anakin, you are so chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> you are walking chaos. <laughs> yes, he is. Again, I want to give shout out too to the fact that like no music played during the original sequence of them going off the elevator, which I again, this is mm-hmm. like the second episode in a row where they infiltrate a place stealthily or quote-unquote stealthily, and no no music plays. It's just strictly the sound effects, which, Mm -hmm. again, it makes it feel more realistic, like we're there with them. Like, it's not some sort of, like, over-the-top decisive victory, which sometimes I don't like when that happens, when it's just, like, really epic music and it kind of gets old, but kind of just living more within the sound effects and pronouncing those much more loudly. And I think it really shows how well the sound is being edited and mixed this season, too. I think that when you take the music out of scenes like this, it ups the intensity of it because you're aware of nothing but the sounds of battle. And it's almost like you unconsciously hold your breath when there's no music playing and it's just going from move to move. I I love that effect that it's been executed so well in these first two episodes. I hope we keep getting more of that in subsequent episodes. Maybe like Ahsoka running away from a bunch of clones shooting at her. And we just hear her breathing and Rex moaning because he's been shot and she has to save him. And there's Brad, just no I th- music. I thought we weren't going to cry during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, Madison, you know what? You're just in time for crying because the oh, pain train no. has arrived. <laughs> the pain train, everybody, it's on schedule. It is departing in the next 30 seconds or so. So <laughs> come aboard with us on to, on to the pain train and join us again. Please keep your hands and feet in the vehicle at all times. You are not allowed to leave the pain train until we depart on May 8th, the end of season seven of the Clone Wars. You are on board. There is no stopping. No crying is allowed, only pain. You have to internalize all your suffering while you're aboard this train. Is this a Jedi train? It is a Jedi train. There is no attachment, only. (laughs) There is no emotion, there is peace. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I don't know the Jedi code, so thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for that. So, with that said, all aboard! 
We are leaving. We are departing the station. We are go. We are a go, Madison. What was your pain oh, train no. moment of the week? Definitely the Annie Della hand touch for yeah. multiple reasons. Reason number one that I already briefly mentioned, Raylo parallels. You know how much I'm crying over Raylo right now. <laughs> Reason number two, <laughs> it, was, it just killed me. It gutted me when they say I love you to each other and you know what's coming and you're like, this is... Like we were talking about earlier, probably the last conversation they're going to have before the events of Revenge of the Sith kick off. And it's just, it's painful. It's painful when you see sweet, tender moments like this between Anakin and Padme and you know how everything goes down. Yeah, it was emotional. So much foreshadowing happening. And again, it's so, so much a result of our expectations of what's to come. This is the mm -hmm. brutal part about this season is we're just, we're, we know what's coming. It's awful. Yes. Makes everything feel that much worse. There's something inevitable about it and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great feeling. I wish things would end happily. I mean, I guess in some sense they do eventually, like three movies later when it is redeemed but it's tough it's a tough pill if, to swallow what if it turns out differently this time brad <laughs> it's like an <laughs> alternate timeline <laughs> whoa <laughs> whoa Ooh, interesting maybe order 66 doesn't happen star wars multiverse like mace windu just lets anakin come with him to the senate chambers to see palpatine kill all three jedi before fighting mace windu and being like oh i guess he is a bad guy and they take it Anakin down. helps Mace Windu kill Palpatine. It's great. Could have just solved everything, honestly. My yeah. pain train moment of the week. Echo. That's brutal. Ugh. They get in there and it very much felt Frankenstein-esque. There was yes. like the couple of those structures where the purple electricity was spiraling up the sides. And it made me think of Dr. Frankenstein's lair. With the oh, same yeah. things, you know, like with the electricity shooting everywhere and spiraling into the sky and the open ceiling and him working on this creature. And we open the stasis chamber and we see a very, very different echo than we're used to with prosthetic limbs, barely living on life support, got some wiring attached into his head and his body. And it was just so, so hard because we predicted uh. this on our last episode, our last recap. And mm -hmm. I didn't actually know if it was going to happen or not. I thought maybe it would just be a, a simple AI and no body at all. So mm -hmm. for me to actually see his body come out of the cage like that was really, really hard to watch. And for yeah. him to be like, we have to get to the shuttle to escape the Citadel. No, no, I'll go first. And then he sees Rex and he says, Rex, you came back for me. And oh, my God. again, in that moment, he, he's still living in the Citadel. You know, he doesn't know where or when he is which kind of hurts all the more. And Rex tells him they're going to take him home finally and that he's okay. He's with, he's with friends now, but I don't think it's going to be okay. It's not going to end fine for him. No, because Star Wars is tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. What did you think of this, of this whole sequence of events though? Did you expect the full echo in a more mechanized way or did it kind of hit you like a truck? I was kind of imagining two different options like we had talked about on last week's show. I was thinking, okay, it's either going to be he's like an AI now and there's nothing left of him. They just kind of turned his mind into a computer program, basically. Or his his head, his brain literally is going to be hooked up to a bunch of wires, which actually ended up being correct. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's so much more painful that way, I think, because... He's still alive. He's still a human being and he's hooked up to this stuff like a machine and just being used against his will. And he has no control over his situation. And that just makes it even more painful because it's like, it's not like he's dead and they've just used kind of his consciousness and his knowledge for this thing. It's like he's actually in there alive, suffering, and he's being kept this way. It just hurts so much. And, uh, I'm going to bring this up while I have the opportunity. I had like a super visceral reaction when he like fell forward out of that thing and he's just hanging there by those wires. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like reminding me of something, but it took me until today, Brad, to figure out what it was. <laughs> Do tell. So one of my favorite games of all time is uh, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Came out a long time ago. I played it probably for the first time when I was like five. So I was very young 
it's a very scary game. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very uh, stress-inducing game, very terrifying. And I think one of the most terrifying moments in the entire game is when you go into this house, there's like creepy kind of circus music playing almost. You're trying to help this little girl who something's wrong with her dad. You don't know what. You go downstairs, you go into this room, and as you're walking towards this big wardrobe, the doors fly open and there's a zombie dad in there. <laughs> and he's terrifying looking. He's like making all these scary zombie noises and like jumps out of the wardrobe and it's coming at you. And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's what it reminded me of. It was just equally horrifying seeing Echo like that. And I just, and two, there's the similar element of feeling really bad for what's happened to this person. Because I can't believe I'm doing Legend of Zelda in Star Wars <laughs> parallels today on the podcast, but here we are. Two so great this, franchises, may I add. Right. <laughs> so this father was cursed by someone against his will, and Echo has been pieced back together and put in this stasis chamber against his will, and his friend has finally showed up to free him and save him. So it's it's making us feel the warm fuzzies for now but i still am just like this is gonna end in tragedy isn't it the most terrifying part about it too is it speaks a little bit to the free will of the clones and if they even have any because this makes me think of the fives arc with the the computer chip that fives extracts from his own head and tries to extract from the one clone I'm, i'm forgetting his name now but these Clones are kind of just programmed in a way, you know, they have Mm -hmm. conscious selves and they have their personalities, but at the end of the day, they are pretty programmed to a T. So programmed that they can literally be hooked up to a machine and and utilized for military strategy, which is pretty sad to think about. And ultimately, they're going to be the architects of, of destruction for Order 66 and they're not going to really have a choice in the matter. You know, Palpatine tells them execute Order 66 and things flip like a switch. Some clones can battle it. Some can't. Most can't. Probably 99% can't. And there's going to be very few that escape those orders or resist. But wow. it's just so inherent in their DNA. Like, do the clones actually have any sort of free will? And the answer is no. Because even though they're acting out of free will in the moment, when it matters the most, they don't have a choice. And that's that's kind of sad. And that's what I see with Echo. You're totally right. Like, Echo's situation in this scene is like a physical representation of what every clone is like, actually, because they're like puppets, basically. They're like puppets on strings being manipulated by Palpatine. And they're, in a way... Like the kind of the Frankenstein monsters of the Kaminoans and by extension who ordered them. And it's just really sad how they have no control over their situation. And because of the chips in their heads, they have no choice in what's about to happen. What we've been talking about (laughs) the whole episode. And actually, speaking of the chip in their heads, it makes me wonder if once they try to unhook Echo... Um, I wonder if he's been programmed just to shut down, like if he, if someone from the Republic comes in and tries to take him or tries to get rid of the algorithm or whatever. I wonder if they've just set up kind of a self-destruct mechanism almost. Or option two, if they actually succeed in taking him back to the Republic, I wonder if it's almost like uh, a separatist plant and he's almost been turned into like a spy in their midst. Their midst, I think things could turn out not so great if his allegiance has been switched and he's been programmed that way and there's nothing he can do about it. Right, because obviously Palpatine orchestrating both sides of the war. And we again, we saw what happened with Fives. There was a huge plot to mm-hmm. kind of sweep him under the rug between Dooku and Palpatine because Order 66 and the Kaminoans too. They were all in on it. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where his path leads. I, th- I still think I, my prediction is he'll probably end up dying. But it may yeah. be it will be a result of Palpatine again, sweeping some more things under the rug, tying up some loose ends. And yeah, is bringing Echo home really that much safer when you think about it? Or is it actually less safe? Would he be better off just unplugging and 
becoming one with the force. So it's kind of it's a tragedy. The yeah. story ends in tragedy. Always. <laughs> oh, Unfortunately. It's again, it's just it's looming there in the back of our minds this whole season, Order 66. And it's going to be really, really hard as the season goes on. And we're going to see more glimpses and more echoes of those results. So it's hey, 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 hey. So, yeah. <laughs> but Madison, that was the pain train. Thank you all for coming. And the train's still going. <laughs> we'll give you a pain train update on our destination next week. I imagine recap. people like beating against the windows going let us out it let us out it's like there's no getting off this train <laughs> it's like the rogue one guy when he's like help us like oh that's God. every one of our listeners when we get into the pain train yeah pretty much so and we're darth vader coming down the hallway with a a beaming <laughs> light of pain slashing through everybody going here you go here's another sad moment of the week we're and not we're, we're we're with our listeners lucasfilm is darth vader <laughs> <laughs> We're running just, and we just I know we're running no away because we know the sadness is coming and they're gonna they're gonna ruin our emotions with Order sixty six once again. We've relived yep. it in in Fallen Order uh. already <laughs> once this year. I legitimately cried when I played that game and oh, experienced same. that. Like I was the first time I think Order sixty six truly hit me in a way that I hadn't witnessed it before, and I think it's because you were playing as the character and really seeing it through yes. their eyes. And I think now with that sort of experience now watching it through the eyes of clones and through ahsoka oh my god it's a whole nother like if i felt that way from 15 hours with cal kestis imagine how we're gonna feel with almost like 60 to 80 hours of ahsoka over like oh a span of 13 years and with captain and, rex and i mean and yeah yeah and the way we feel for the clones now because it's not like you can hate the clones for what they're doing either because again they have the chip there's nothing they yeah, can do about they it have you no just choice. have to direct all of your hatred towards palpatine yeah, <laughs> the puppet master behind it all yeah uh it's brutal well on that sad note madison we're gonna close <laughs> it out on that there is no happiness in the world we are approaching order 66 quickly no run away but execute order 66 <laughs> oh my god i'm so excited when we get to say that and it actually happens <laughs> One uh. of our episodes. we'll do our best palpatine impression we'll we'll be practicing yeah. i tried but you know <laughs> <laughs> well next week's episode is called on the wings of kiradax which i'm gonna assume kiradax are the reptile creatures oh so that would make sense yeah that'll be exciting i'm excited for next week oh <gasps> Oh no. What? Next week is directed by Bosco Ng. What oh does God. that mean? For those of you who may have listened to the Friends of the Force Resistance recap series, you know, all know I'm a fan of Bosco Ng because Bosco Ng directed some of the best episodes of Star Wars Resistance, and every single time, without a shred of doubt, I cried. Oh he's, no. He's directing next week. No. Which can only mean one thing emotions. God. Tears. I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> we can only try to brace ourselves and then utterly <laughs> fail. <laughs> well, on that note, Madison, let's close it out here. We're pushing an hour five, and this was a great episode. A little longer than usual, but I think, again, there was, there was just so much to discuss. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to wrap things up for this week. If you're wanting to find more of my podcast, Doing Talking, you can do so at doingtalking.com. You can also listen on Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube. My channel is Maddie Solo, and you can also follow the podcast at Doing Talking Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Doing Talking also has a Patreon, where I'm doing some audio commentaries for The Clone Wars right now, as well as Patreon-exclusive episodes. I just did an exciting one about the Project Luminous reveals, so head on over and check that out. And Brad, where can they find Friends of the Force? Thanks, Madison. Nice transition there. You can find Friends of the Force on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Anchor. Follow us on Twitter at Friends of Force and Instagram at Friends of the Force. You can also join our Patreon at patreon.com slash friends of the force. You can join the likes of Alderanian Rose, Cheryl, Michael Condon, Neil Lowry, Rachel, Royal Farmboy, and T, who have all been proud, loyal members of the Friends of the Force Patreon. And we are also a part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. And we aim at promoting positivity and the Star Wars 
fandom, which I think nowadays needs it now more than ever. So go check us out. Go check out Doing Talking. Subscribe to both of us. Give us those downloads and also rate both of our podcasts if you have a minute as well and give us five stars. Leave a kind review and we'll pass on that kindness in turn. So Madison, that's it for this episode. Yes. Kind reviews only, please, people. (laughs) Yes. Most importantly, it helps other people find each of our shows. So it really, really goes a long way. We appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And remember, begun the Clone War has.